Hello everyone, you listen to Everypod podcast um, and today we have our guest um, and I will not introduce this guest to you because I think Katrina will introduce, introduce itself like who are you Katrina, uh, what are you doing, can you and say something to us? Sure, hello mm -hmm. everyone, um, my name is Katrina Owen, I work at GitHub uh, as an API or I guess technically an ecosystem engineer is my title, but I work on the REST APIs, um, mostly sort of low-level plumbing things, um, not so much the feature um, features that you would use when using the APIs, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so let's see, I also work on an open source project called Exorcism. The website there is exorcism.io, exorcism like exercise. Uh, so that's a platform for um, practicing programming, basically. Um, mostly the people who use it are people who are already programmers and who need to ramp up in a new programming language. So if you use Java at work and now you need to use um, Python or Haskell for a project, um, you can go to Exorcism and get lots of little exercises in your new language and you get feedback Um, on the solutions that you write so that you can um, learn to quickly write code that looks idiomatic um, and conventional for that target language. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, sorry, but yeah, before this talk with you, I even don't know about exorcism. No worries. Exorcism, yeah, exorcism. Yeah. Uh, and I also, even then I... Uh, see this? I expected this. F it's for new, like who never tried to programming, and this is like another course for somebody which never tried program something. But as I, as you talk right now, looks like I should also go and try this stuff after this call. Yeah, you should definitely try it out. We have lots of languages. Almost fifty programming languages now Whoa. are supported. Fifty yeah. languages. Whoa! Yeah, it's a big amount of languages. Uh, and I hope you didn't do this yourself alone, like to, oh my goodness, <laughs> to make so many languages. No, I don't even know that many languages. I think I didn't even know that there were that many languages when I started <laughs> out. <laughs> um, there are languages in there that I had never heard of um, five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the there's a core team that's working on exorcism. I have a co-founder. Um, named Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Walker. He's based in the UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also work with a designer. And um, so more like a product and user experience designer than purely a visual designer. Her name is Nicole. She works uh, also in the UK. And we uh, work with uh, another developer on our core team. He's based in the Philippines. His name is Carlo. Um, so we have a core team of people who direct the entire Um, did the entire project. And then every single language um, of exercises or, or like collection of exercises in a programming language has its own maintainers, usually not me. Oh. Um, and so we have oh, probably about a hundred different people who are helping maintain individual languages. Hmm. And then, um, yeah, uh, we also have probably Oh, 1,500, more than that, people who have contributed throughout the years to various parts of 
the ecosystem and the um, exercises and all of that. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, we will back to exercise like on next questions. Uh, here, next question like, uh, you will talk uh, on Ruby C conference or we call it Rubik conference uh, in this year. Um, I don't know your, so I don't know what exactly your talk will be. That's why like, what are you talk, what about your talk will be, what the topic, what are you trying to explain everyone? Yes. Sure. Um, the topic is uh, refactoring. I almost always talk about refactoring if I give a technical talk. <laughs> um, so the, the big idea, I guess, in this talk is how to make a big refactoring um, safely. Uh, one of the things that we often do as programmers is we have this vision in our mind of how the code can be better. And we think we know the end goal and we tend to go straight for it. Like we take really, really big steps and it gets us in pretty big trouble um, in a number of ways. The first is that if you take a big step, usually your test suite will fail. And while your tests are failing, they're not providing feedback. So now you're kind of changing things um, in the dark. You don't really know if what you're doing is working um, and you start chasing that, um, the, you start chasing the test suite to try to get it back to green. Um, throughout all of the time when your test suite is read, you can't deploy that code. That means that um, you're going to be in a long-lived branch with very, very big changes. There's going to be tons of merge conflicts. Um, if you need to leave what you're doing and go do something else, you have to pick up a you know priority one bug or um, jump onto some other task, help someone else. It means that if you leave in the middle of your big refactoring when everything is broken, all of the knowledge about that refactoring is in your head. Um, and if you leave, you're going to lose all that context. And it's going to be really, really hard to reload that up back into your brain so that you can continue where you left off. And another really important thing here is that when you have a broken test suite and you're kind of frantically changing things to try to get things passing again in this new vision of yours, um, you tend to make unnecessary changes. You'll, you'll, poke at things and say, oh, I think if I change this, it'll make it better. And then sometimes it really doesn't, but then you forget that you have it in there. And by the time everything is green, there are a lot of changes that are kind of just balancing each other um, out, like some sort of house of cards that is very easy to, it's pretty brittle. And so things can quickly fall apart later. Um, and then lastly, one of the big problems with this is that if you get a really big change and a really big refactoring, it's really hard to do code review. And so it makes it, um, if the, the change is big, the code review is hard, it means that your peers will probably uh, procrastinate before doing the review. It's going to take a lot more time for you to get feedback on your change. Um, things are going to diverge from master even further. Um, and also it means that, um, there are probably a lot of different types of changes going on, even though they're all refactorings. Some refactorings are very simple renames. If you had that in one PR, it would be really simple um, to review and um, accept really quickly and then merge. Um, whereas a very, very big refactoring with big steps has lots of different um, types of refactorings within it, which makes it really hard to do code review because each different type of change requires asking a different question of the reviewer. Wow, I already want to listen to this topic, but looks like I need to wait to conference. 
but it's very very interesting yeah you already talked too much stuff like i already understand you have huge amount of knowledge and practice on practical knowledge how to do this i think it's wow it's very i hope it will be a very very good topic about not only talk like you also i think many developers have something similar when try to do some refactoring like especially i think in github which of course not a small project and i think something even even like updating rails it's not very simple task yeah it's not a very simple task it's really often you try to make this big thing and then the usual result isn't that you get this great big change that works it's usually you just give up after you know a few hours or a few days and you do a get reset hard yeah it's hard uh okay thank you like i hope everyone right now will go to the conference because like i think it will be very good topic not only listen but also for example talk with you after the, this talk uh okay let's uh, back to our questions uh, next interesting question like uh, you co-author of a book 99 bottles of oop um <laughs> I'm not sure like our listeners read this book, but I think it's a very, very good book. Uh, and of course, question, do you have any plans for a new book? I don't. I, I would love to write another book eventually, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I just have too much on my plate right now. What about book about refactoring, for example? Because what I listen right now, it will be a very interesting book. So the 99 Bottles of OOP is in many ways about refactoring. Yeah, um, I know, but about, like, I mean, new book, like, not about OOP, but, like, how to refactor a big project or something like this. Yeah, it would be fun. I would I would love to do that someday, but yeah. it's not in, in my plans yet. Okay, good. It's uh, not a problem. Uh, okay, about, let's back to exercise. Uh, mm -hmm. Is correct exercise or how? Uh, I say exorcism, but exorcism? that's just because... Yeah, yeah, it's a pun. It's a kind of stupid pun in English. Um, it's It kind of looks like a way of um, misspelling mm -hmm. exorcism, yeah, which is... Because I yeah. also like to try to say exorcism, but understood like, uh, looks like it will be not... It should be not exorcism because it's like every devil from the human body. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm famous for making project names that people can't pronounce. Apparently. <laughs> okay. Okay. So looks like this project started in twenty thirteen. Eight, not thirteen. Yes. Uh, and nowadays, after six years, um, what do you have about high level conclusion about it after all these years? Uh, did you learn? Uh, about managing open source projects, something like, is it hard, maybe hard to work with uh, remote persons, teams, uh, or maybe like hard to maintain this open source project because sometimes uh, people just want something from you and don't want to help, help, for example. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount and about things that I didn't necessarily think I'd ever need to know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the most important lessons that I've learned is that it's important to know what problem you're actually solving. Um, because if you don't actually know with a very, if you don't have a very crisp and clear idea in your head of the problem that you're solving, people will make contributions and it's going to be really hard to decide whether or not to accept that contribution. 
Um, it takes an enormous amount of energy, cognitive resources to make that decision, yes or no. And for every single contribution, you have to go through the same process of you know, agonizing and analysis of whether or not this fits with your project. And if you don't have a clear idea, you're going to end up accepting things that don't actually fit. It will make your project big, um, kind of fuzzy at the edges, hard to define, hard to understand, incoherent. Um, and as soon as you accept something, it means you have to maintain it forever. Like <laughs> it, it was their code. Now it's your code. It's like um, with child. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yep. And now you should maintain it. <laughs> yeah. And this code is never going to go off to college. You are basically uh, okay. stuck with it. Um, okay. Yeah. It's so it makes it, if you don't know what pro problem you're solving very clear, clearly, it makes it really, really hard to say no. Um, the pressure on you is to say yes. Um, and when you, if you say no, it means that you can't point to a very clear reason for why you're saying no, which means that it's going to feel really bad on the other side for the contributor. It's going to feel like they are um, being personally rejected. Their values or their ideas or their point of view is being rejected. So having a clear definition means that you can have a written down policy of what fits within, what fits without, it makes it very um, easier to make the decision about what to accept and it makes it very much easier to reject um, without people feeling bad about it. Okay, yeah. So it looks like it's more about communication, like to give people maybe no, but not hard feeling of this person. Like, yeah. sorry, I cannot accept this. That is why I don't think like your code is bad, mean like you exactly. bad. It's not mean about you. Like I just can't accept this kind of code or idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, from your perspective, which skill are the most important for software developer? Like, as I understood, uh, you work in L like in GitHub. Uh, it looks like it's remote friendly company, as I know or not. I'm not sure. Yes. But uh, uh, looks like you can work remotely, alone, and working with team. And what do you think most important skills from both sides like to work alone and work with team? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think the answer is, you know, very frustratingly, it depends. It depends on what type of software you're writing, what type of team you're working on. Um, but for me, the most important pers or skill personally, individually, um, has been troubleshooting, really understanding how do you ask a better question? How do you define a hypothesis? How do you design an experiment that's going to eliminate options or um, how do you make a minimal reproduction case? Um, and I think good tr troubleshooting also helps teach you to clarify your assumptions, which will help also when communicating with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. As a team, um, as a team, I think that the most important things I've learned have to do with, again, communication, um, the ability to accept and solicit feedback, um, the ability, like, understanding how to disagree with someone in a productive way. Um, it's so common in open source or on the internet in general to, to have a disagreement. And that disagreement is basically, I'm right, you're wrong. Um, and then we kind of fight it out, right? We, it's, it's, <laughs> it's more like a, a, a little war or a, or a battle rather than um, a collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with some amazing people who I've learned to disagree with um, 
in really interesting ways. I have a colleague, or um, she's left to a different um, job, but I worked with her for uh, quite a long time. And every time uh, we would do code review for each other, and we'd see something that we wouldn't have done in that way, we'd we'd both get like excited. We'd be like, oh, wow, why did you do that? What am I going to learn today? Because you're different from, from I am, and you know things that I don't, and your experiences are different. And therefore, there must be a good reason why you did it this way. What are those reasons? What can I learn from you? Yeah. Um, and I think that this, it's not always easy, and I'm definitely not, you know, good at it in, in all situations, but re- keeping that in mind, I think, is um, is a really important uh, thing, and it's a really important skill to develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's very good. I think sometimes, yeah, junior developers thinking, like, only technical skills needed they to, like, for them to be a good developer, and only yeah. then they reach, like, middle level, they understand, like, also need like these soft skills, how they call it, like communication, yeah. listening, understanding, accepting errors or mistakes. Sometimes yeah. some developers doesn't understand understand this. They just think in technical skills, technical skills, only technical skills. And it's it's comforting to think that way too, because a technical skill is a very approachable thing. You can read a book or a blog post, and you can learn it, and you can start at zero, and within you know a day or a week or a month or a year, you'll have really nailed it you'll be good at that thing whereas these soft skills are really hard they're only soft in the sense that they can be hard to define right mm-hmm. but they can be softer on the edges mm-hmm. yeah and also some developers like don't like accept mistakes errors or like uh criticize then we criticize their code they think yeah. like we criticize them itself like not only the code but also person and persons start to fight with you like no, my code is perfect. You just don't understood, yeah. or something like this. Yeah. Even yesterday, I, w- I was having a conversation about um, a change, a potential change to an exercise on exorcism, and I had such reluctance to accepting this change, and I, w- I found it really difficult to explain why why I thought this was not the best approach. And after a while, I realized that. I actually found it really hard to understand. And so finally, when I said, all of this, I just feel stupid because I don't understand it. Then the author was like, oh, now that you say it, I can totally see how that's the case. And I'm very different because I do think, like our our experiences are different. And she immediately found a better way that was good for, you know, for both of our approaches. It was really interesting, but it's so hard to admit that I feel stupid, you know? Okay. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Uh, let's back to our questions. Uh, yes. If you did something that turned out to be the most expensive technical lessons you have learned. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it goes back to not knowing what problem I'm solving. On exorcism, I, um, for the longest time, I didn't actually know exactly what problem I was solving. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was overwhelmed and I was kind of desperate. And so I hired a lot of different people at different times to try to solve problems or solve things within exorcism. And because I didn't actually know what problem I was solving, all of that money was completely 100% wasted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes if you don't know what to do, yeah, it can be like waste of your time or money or both. 
of course yeah. your time also like your money yeah, yeah interesting at least you not drop some production database <laughs> you know will... i mean very very good programmers have done this <laughs> um, <laughs> so github runs a conference every year called git merge and um a year or two ago there was a a big thing where at GitLab, the, someone had dropped a, a production gate database. And then one of our people on stage at GitMerge was like, well, welcome to the club. Because back in the day at GitHub, we did the same thing. It was, I don't know, very early days. But uh -huh. someone at GitHub also dropped a production database. No, thank goodness. I've not actually done that yet. I've, I've made other mistakes, but... Um, that's okay. that's one that I've avoided. Yeah, but at least if you draw production to the base, I hope your backup system works at least. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have any must-read list of books for software developers? I do. This is kind of my favorite question ever because I spend most of my spare time reading books. So uh, I have lots. Um, I don't. None of the books that I would typically recommend are technical. Um, most of them are about improving other aspects uh, mm -hmm. of your skill set. Um, in terms of solving the right problem or making better decisions, there are three books that I really, really have gotten a lot out of. The first is called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And it's not a programming book. It's more of a business uh, strategy book. Um, it's written by a guy who was originally an aerospace engineer. He worked on the moon, the moon lander, among other things. So a really smart guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he end, ended up going into strategy and he defines what strategy actually is. So I think that's a really, really useful book to, to read. The second one uh, in this area is called Decisive. It's written by um, Chip and Dan Heath, I think their names are. And it's a about strategies for or tactics uh, for making better decisions. How do you evaluate your options? How do you create more options so that you end up with a decision that is um, more useful? And then the third book that I really love is called A More Beautiful Question. And it's about um, being able to use the process of, of asking questions to um, generate uh, more options and to reevaluate your assumptions. And so they're all very, very useful, very um, practical, very approachable books. Well, thank you for the list. Uh, I think I read zero of these books, but right now I will <laughs> add this into the list. Don't worry. I think awesome. I will read these books. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, thank you. Uh, next question, like uh, you have this nickname. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, again, maybe I call this right. Uh, Citrix? Uh, no. Uh, can you repeat how correct this nickname? Yeah, like I said, naming things is, is, <laughs> yes. is I'm famous for making things that are impossible. I always thinking um, I will spell it wrong. I always think and then I see this text. So most people uh, read it as Katrinix. Ah, Katrinix. Oh, okay. Yeah. But technically, it's actually pronounced Katrina. With a uh, oh. glottal mm -hmm, at the end, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's from a, a made-up nerd language called Lojban. A friend of mine introduced me to it, and I thought it was super fascinating. And so I was just like, "Well, what would my name be in in Lojban?" And in Lojban, the "ah" sound is spelled with a "y," and you cannot have personal names that end in a vowel, so you have to throw on a a consonant. So I threw on the "h." Wow, wow, it's cool. How you selected it's, this nickname, yeah. 
it's kind of random, but I like it. Yeah, I also like after your story. It's very cool that you choose your nickname in this way, uh, because for example, my nickname was very stupid. Like I just select something and it just start to be my nickname. No big yes. stories like your. Yeah, I mean, I have other nicknames that I selected, and now I'm stuck with them on other platforms. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, should we know them or nope. not? Oh, okay. Nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go to next questions. Uh, you have a bachelor degree in molecular bi biology. Uh, does this knowledge help you as a software developer? Because sometimes people came from different kind of sphere, and they say, "Yeah, this knowledge helped me also in software development." Or sometimes they say, "No, zero intersection, zero zero of knowledge usage." Like nothing. What yeah. about your experience? So for me, the answer is no. But oh. um, actually, getting the degree was very useful to me. I learned a lot about um, about uh, um, practicing and learning uh, learning things that are hard in a way that um, doesn't make you give up. So that was really useful. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it looks like even process. To get in bachelor degree also was useful to you, like yeah. how to get it, how to achieve this stuff. Well, okay, it's very good. Uh, what do you like to do in your free time? Like, except helping with exorcism, as I understood, do yeah. open source, and do you, and after, of course, accept job. So yes. What so I read books mostly. Like that's my relaxation. Is I'll pick up kind of sometimes random books, uh, often these type of business self-help type things, um, and then lots of science fiction, that sort of thing. Um, I also like to cook. I've been getting more into that uh, in recent years. I really just enjoy the process of making something that might be delicious. Um, it's frustrating when it's not delicious, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my my hobby, which is like kind of the only thing that isn't just being a, a slug on the couch, um, is learning Korean. I started that very recently. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think that's all our questions. Um, thank you. Like, to, uh, thank you very much for your interview, for your time. Uh, I hope I will listen and see you on Rubik conference in this year. I, I yes. hope so. I expect Rubik. You say it's Rubik, not Ruby C. Uh, as I said, uh, it's Rubik, but uh, some in our country call this uh, not Ruby C, but Rubik, like cubic yeah. Rubik, something like this. Yeah, cubic cubic Rubik. Rubik. <laughs> yes, yeah. so we call this like in this way. Some yeah. people, not I, everyone. I hope. I hope to see you there. It's going to be a great conference. Okay. Thank you very much. Maybe several words to our listeners, like maybe about Ruby, how to achieve goals, anything what you want. Oh, take smaller steps. Oh, okay. Thank you. Short, <laughs> but very good wisdom. Thank you very much. And Thank you. goodbye. Goodbye, bye -bye. everyone. Goodbye.